Welcome to the Built Tech Podcast, exploring and discussing the future of technology in the global built environment. The Built Tech Podcast is sponsored by Shadow Ventures and Built Tech Labs. Now the host of the podcast, Matt Knight. This is Matt Knight with Shadow Ventures and Built Tech Labs, doing the first in a series of interviews and spotlights on some of our promising startups inside of Built Tech Labs. Today with me, I have Rafi Holzer of Avir, and he's going to join us for a few minutes, tell us a little bit about Avir, how it came about, and where you're going, and what you see the future of deviation detection to look like. So, thanks for joining us. Do you want to start by telling us a little bit about the genesis of the concept, how this came about, where you saw a need, and, and how you built the team? Sure, yeah. So, I mean, I guess the, the genesis of Avir is really goes back to an internship I had at Carnegie Mellon University um, when I was uh, a junior in college. Um, I was doing an internship uh, at a robotics lab that was focused on application, robotic applications in civil engineering. Um, and I spent most of the summer not doing anything technical, but really trying to figure out how we could commercialize some of the technology that was coming out of that lab. Uh, mostly focused on reality capture techniques and, you know, things like laser scanning and uh, infrared or, um, you know, ultrasound. And I learned that somewhere about BIM for the first time, uh, building information modeling. And I ended up speaking with a bunch of civil engineers and a bunch of contractors and I found that, to my surprise, things didn't always go as planned on construction sites. And that while BIM was this new cool tool that people were talking about, uh, it hadn't really achieved its, uh, you know, full utility because nobody was able to really use um, the reality capture techniques uh, that were available to actually bring information from reality back into the BIM. There was no way to kind of connect those two, um, those two things, the reality with the model. Um, and so that really got me thinking about how we could solve that problem. Um, and then, uh, I kind of took that a little bit further. I went, I ended up, uh, in a PhD program at uh, the university of Pennsylvania in bioengineering, which had no bearing or no relationship really to, um, uh, to this project, but there was a, uh, a business plan competition at Penn the first year I was there to try and figure out how to commercialize, uh, drones, which were at that time, I mean, nobody had figured out what to do with them and they weren't yet really on the market even or they were just coming to market as, as toys. And I kind of connected the dots and figured drones would be a perfect platform for some of the reality capture techniques uh, we were working on at Carnegie Mellon. And they would be a great um, tool for construction sites. Um, now I was already, I actually ended up coming in second place in that business plan competition. Uh, and I was all ready to jump in and start my company. Uh, and then I met my wife, uh, who had no interest in marrying an entrepreneur. Uh, so I took a job for a while, but I ultimately came back to it. Um, I think it's, uh, it's definitely what we're doing is still a need in the marketplace. Um, and the timing ended up being kind of perfect because there's been a lot of technological development in the last five years uh, that's really enabling us to do what we're doing. And I guess that leads me to actually explaining what it is we're doing, um, which is as you mentioned, that deviation detection. So essentially, we scan construction sites um, with a laser scanner, and we then compare the output of that laser scanner, what's called a point cloud, to the building information model. 
um, basically to the building plans, and we find discrepancies between those two things. So essentially, we're finding uh, construction errors in that way. Which allows you to give information to these general contractors and upstream to developers about preventing change orders, yes? Absolutely. Uh, and really enables you right now, at least, to do two things. So the first is, just like you mentioned, we're preventing rework, we're preventing change orders, requests for information, um, essentially enabling you to make uh, small changes, uh, small fixes to your construction project before the small problem spirals into something much larger, um, which often happens, you know, as construction kind of builds on itself and you end up, if you have a, pro a small problem today, it could be a massive problem a couple of months from now. Or you can make the decision to ignore that, um, that change, but actually bring it into the model, right? So you might have a column that's off by a couple of inches, you decide with your engineer that it's not worth fixing, but you still want your model of your construction site to accurately reflect the reality because you want to have accurate as-built documentation of your building uh, for the you know, purpose of long-term operation and maintenance of it. So the workflow essentially is there's a scan done through laser scanners of the site. The site scan is then uploaded to your software. Mm -hmm. The software sends real-time alerts to the project manager, the GC? Correct. That's exactly right. Um, so whoever, I mean, there could be various different stakeholders um, depending on the project we're on. It's sometimes it's the contractor who's hiring us, and sometimes it's the developer. Um, sometimes it's both. And then whoever wants to be alerted is alerted to a deviation that's detected. Um, the other option, um, you know, I should mention, Sometimes we're doing the scanning and sometimes the GC or another subcontractor is doing the scanning and we're just doing the processing and, and analysis. And so what happens is uh, the GC will upload the scans to our software themselves and we'll alert them uh, that deviations have, have been detected. So that brings me to the point. Tell me a little bit about the hardware involved with these scanners. Yeah, so um, we don't actually manufacture any of the hardware. Uh, we're trying to be hardware agnostic. So, you know, we can use any hardware available. And um, some of uh, our listeners might be, you know, if they've heard of laser scanners before, they might be more familiar with um, Faro scanners and Leica scanners. These are uh, these traditional terrestrial scanners, large machines that sit on a tripod, um, need to be set up in each room and then moved around to capture different vantage points. Um, using that kind of scanner you know, for our software is definitely possible and it works, but it's also a very slow process to actually scan an entire structure. So what we've adopted are these new-to-market um, SLAM-based scanners. Uh, SLAM stands for Simultaneous Localization and Mapping. And uh, SLAM is basically a family of algorithms um, that enables an object, and very often a self-driving car in this case, uh, to know where it is uh, in space. And so if you put those algorithms on a scanner, you can actually just walk with the scanner and scan at the same time. Um, so scanning a building becomes a much quicker and therefore much cheaper process. What about solid state scanners? Yeah, so solid state scanners are really where um, we think scanning is, well, not just us, but where scanning seems to be headed or LIDAR um, seems to be headed. So... I don't believe any solid-state LiDAR scanners have come to market yet, but they're expected to hit the market in 2019. And th like with anything where you remove the moving parts and move to, you know, semiconductor chips, 
um, the cost ends up dropping dramatically. And what you can do um, in terms of arrangements of, of LiDAR and um, what you can do with it, embedding it in, in clothing, it becomes so small and, and functional um, that the process of uh, scanning just becomes much more affordable uh, and much more actionable. And how big is this this U.S. market? Let's stick to the U.S. and not global. And with construction is obviously enormous, more than a trillion a year. But this specifically, projects large enough to require deviation detection software, how big do you think that market is in the U.S.? So we've estimated that in the U.S. it's a, about a billion and a half dollars a year. Um, yeah, so essentially the way we look at it is our big um, – uh, you know, the big factor that limits our growth potentially is um, which buildings have BIM on them today. And it's about probably the 30% of largest construction projects um, have BIM. If you're over, if you're spending over $30 million on a project, um, you're very likely to have a BIM on your project. And uh, if you don't, you probably should. Uh, the cost savings have, have been demonstrated. Um, and what's nice is that because, you know, the projects are as large as they are, um, the estimate that I saw recently was that probably 50% of dollars spent on construction in the U.S. have been attached to them. Um, and that excludes, uh, you know, a lot of the civil projects for which BIM currently isn't available, but that's changing too. Um, so the market is, is rather significant and it's growing um, as you know, working with BIM becomes cheaper um, as the uh, expertise necessary to, to work with it becomes more widespread. More and more contractors are taking BIM on, um, and it's, you know, penetrating even smaller projects. So it looks like your ideal customer would be a large general contractor working on projects that are greater than $30 million repeatedly. Correct. I'd say that kind of large general contractor or um, one of the clients or potential clients we're really interested in dealing with are actually the, the principals or the owners, but not necessarily, you know, real estate developers, um, but actually institutional owners of uh, real estate assets, those with mission critical assets. For example, your airlines who uh, build or own their own airports, um, your tech companies who might have their own data centers. Um, your manufacturers and distributors who have their own factories and warehouses. Um, for them, real estate is not necessarily a profit center. It's a cost center that is critical for their business to continue running. And one of the key benefits of doing the change detection that we're doing over the course of construction is you end up with a really accurate model of what your building uh, consists of and what it looks like, which makes operating and maintaining that building or renovating in the future much cheaper and much more efficient. So you reduce downtime in your factories, um, you reduce, um, you know, renovation, you know, catastrophes in hospitals, um, and ultimately you make the, uh, you know, you make your business more profitable by making your real estate assets more manageable. So crystal ball, five years from now, Google's building a $500 million building in New York. BIM's going to be a big part of that. How do you see deviation detection playing into that, again, say five years from now? So five years from now, um, I think deviation detection uh, is starting to be everywhere. 
I think um, a lot of that is going to ride the coattails of increased BIM penetration and increased penetration of uh, the reality capture um, hardware that's coming out, including, like we mentioned before, the solid state LiDAR. But once, for example, LiDAR is just another tool in your toolbox, it's not a special piece of machinery, but something every contractor has, like a, a saw or a drill. Um, it's just going to become a standard part of construction practice. And I think you'll start, it'll start penetrating even the smaller residential markets where it's probably, um, you know, the ROI is, is less than uh, in some of the industrial commercial projects we deal with today. Um, and I also think, you know, you're really going to start, for our company in particular, I think we'll have started uh, pushing into making these really accurate models valuable in terms of uh, facility management and enabling facility management software tools to take advantage of the fact that we now have um, these BIM models. And I also think one of the things that's going to be game-changing um, from our company's perspective is, um, you know, right now the change detection um, problem in academia is referred to as scan versus BIM, right? When you're comparing the scan to the BIM. But there's also the academic problem of scan to BIM. How do you convert a scan that you've taken and make that into a building information model? And most building stock today, obviously, is not new stock, but um, existing assets, some of which are older and don't have um, reliable um, as-built documentation, certainly not 3D models attached to them. Um, but the data set that we're constructing as we do this change detection is one that's going to allow us to hopefully train um, a machine learning algorithm or neural network to actually build building information models essentially from scratch, uh, which is going to be really exciting and potentially uh, game-changing for all the existing uh, building stock out there. Do you think it's all drone-based in the future? Um, so I don't think it's all necessarily drone-based. I think drones are one uh, platform um, for carrying this reality capture tech. I think drones have uh, certain advantages and certain disadvantages. And I'm a big believer in using the right tool for the job. So for example, if you're doing a large campus project, uh, drones today are fantastic at getting you a bird's eye view um, of what's going on. Drones today are also somewhat limited in terms of their ability to uh, fly in the interiors of buildings, so that's beginning to change. And they're somewhat limited in terms of uh, battery capacity. So I do think you're going to see movement um, in robotics, but that may be drones, it may be terrestrial uh, or land-based rovers. Um, and with the advent of solid-state technology, you may see um, LiDAR scanners built into wearables, like uh, helmets um, or AR glasses. Back down to a year for this year, what's the plan for 2018 in terms of growth, markets, and strategy? So, like I mentioned, I think our, our ideal customer is um, that institutional or large corporate customer who cares not only about making sure that construction is done right, but knowing exactly what their building looks like uh, on the insides and out. Um, we're targeting those customers today. We're coming out of a, a couple of pilots that we're wrapping up now. Um, hope to write a few great case studies. Um, we don't want to expand too fast, frankly. Um, this year is about really developing out uh, the product with a few key customers and uh, making sure that we're building the right thing. Um, and then I think toward the end of 2018 is when we step on the gas 
and start a national or possibly even international expansion. Perfect. So if someone's listening to this, interested, they're an institutional owner, even a large GC, and they want to get involved, what's the ideal way to connect with you? Um, you can come to our website uh, where uh, we have a link. You can send us a message uh, about you know, entering a, a pilot or beta project with us. Um, uh, or you can reach out to me directly, uh, Rafi Holzer at avir.io. Perfect. Well, thanks for your time, Rafi. I really appreciate you joining us today, and I uh, look forward to working more closely with you at Build Tech Labs. I'm excited. Thanks so much, Matt. This has been another edition of the Built Tech Podcast by Shadow Ventures and Built Tech Labs. For more information, please visit builttechlabs.co and shadowfund.vc, or you can follow Matt Knight on LinkedIn.